Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Unscrewed, the show that knows that real liberation includes sexual liberation. I am your host, Jacqueline Friedman, and welcome to a special episode of Unscrewed because it is from our recent live show hosted by the PRX Podcast Garage in Alton, Massachusetts. There was so much amazingness in this show that we had to split it into two. So this is actually just part one of the live show. You'll get part two next week. The overarching theme of the show was talking about new ways to tell stories about sexual violence and specifically focusing on the edge case of storytellers who are telling the story from the rapist's perspective or the rape enabler's perspective. It's a provocative show and I'm really excited about it. We have Bernadine Truth, who is a podcaster and storyteller and businesswoman and motivational speaker and advocate. And we also have in next week's show, you'll hear from Nancy Schwartzman, the filmmaker behind Roll Red Roll. And it's just a fascinating conversation. You'll also hear during the lightning round, uh, not just Bernadine, but I'm going to be reading off answers that our live audience supplied. So if I'm suddenly like reading off a list of answers, uh, that's what's going on there. I'm reading off audience answers which are amazing. And if you were in that audience, I just want to thank you so much. It was such a thrill to get to do this show. And I'm really excited to share it with everybody. It was recorded uh, about a week and a half ago on September 20th, just to give you a little grounding since the news was moving really fast right now. And without further ado, here's our live show part one. Please welcome a fellow podcaster. She is the first lady of the Urban Collective show and also a woman who runs her own company, which is called Know Your Truth, Speak Your Truth, where she curates brave spaces to engage in difficult dialogue that leads to action to impact systemic and institutional change. Bernadine Truth. Welcome to Unscrewed, Bernadine. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much, Jacqueline, for having me. Good evening or hello, everyone. I'm Bernadine, Bernadine Truth. I'm really excited to be here and to engage in this amazing conversation. Yes. We're going to necessary get conversation, rather, too. Into some stuff. I'm but ready. Before we do, we're going to do the lightning round. All right. So what I'd like you to do, I think that Palace is going to pass around a clipboard. And if any of you have answered the first question, 
just stick your little sticky note to that clipboard, just the first question. And while we're talking to Bernadine, I'll collect those and we'll read your answers after. So Bernadine, what has been making you happy this week? This week, I've been really happy because I shared the relaunch of my website, the most updated version of it. And so just sharing that with the community, followers, um, potential clients has been amazing. The support from the community has been great. And I'm just really excited to be celebrating year two of my company, Know Your Truth, Speak Your Truth. So really happy about that. Hit us with the URL. Listen, all right. So for those of you who don't know, you can go to my website, BernadineTruth.com, learn more about me, the work that I do as a motivational speaker, workshop facilitator, a blogger, um, and a spoken word artist and coach. So it's yeah. a lot of fun. Well, congrats on the redesign. That is so Thank much you. work. I don't think people <laughs> appreciate how much work goes into like a good website. Yes, a good website, good content, having a team of people edit it for you and tell you this makes no sense or this is fantastic. So. <laughs> okay. Here are some things that are making you all happy this week. Riding your bike and not sweating. Yes. <laughs> also, another shout out for the crisp autumn weather. The weather has been making me happy, too. I really love summer because I like to swim. Uh, I like to be in the water as much as possible. But I feel more alive and calm now that the weather has shifted. I'm a fall girl, fall fashion. Fall weather, crisp air. Your weather is here. The awesome weather. Everyone is like into it. It's unanimous. My cat. Aw. Cats are also very happy making. The book Three Women by Lisa T. I just heard someone reference that, and I have not checked it out yet. So thank you for the recommendation. And youth leadership killing it. Always. Absolutely. And seeing six. Yeah, I saw six. Did anyone else see six? I would tell you to go see it, but it's sold out. So. We are going to move on to question two, if you guys have answered that one. So what's the best sex advice you ever received? Best sex advice I've ever received is let go and let loose and just really be able to live in that moment. It's funny because I used to still think about life in my to-do list. And I mean, it's no offense to like my partner or anything like that, but I would just really think about so many other things. <laughs> you are a very focused woman. <laughs> and almost think it's a chore, even though I enjoy sex. Anyway, whatever, tangents. But let go and let loose and have a, like just be in that moment, truly allow yourself to be there. Because, you know, it's, it's a good time. Show up is like really good life advice for all for kinds anything. of things. <laughs> it's so true. Including but sex. Especially yeah. there. Especially sex. Yeah. Like well, otherwise, what are you doing? Right. I always say we should be a lot more focused on quality sex mm. before we think about quantity sex, which is, I think, what a lot of mm -hmm. people get fixated on. Like, absolutely. Life is too short for shitty sex. It's fun to explore. Yeah. Which is similar. Yep. Like, mm -hmm. like, we don't have to take it so seriously. We don't have to all imagine like that there's a movie crew, right? Like, so <laughs> like what do I that's, right? What do I look like? Am I am I okay? Sex doesn't end when your partner comes. Yes, preach it. That's yes, very true. Sex ends when you're both ready for it to end, or when one person is done. All I mean, like you get to say no. I want to stop at any time, but. If you have a partner who always stops before you're satisfied, that's something to take a look at. You deserve pleasure, too. And finally, <laughs> classic advice, Astroglide. It's not my brand, but I am definitely a supporter of lube. Lube, 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 lube. There's actually a hilarious sex educator oh, joke, which is that the, and I did not make this up, but the answer to every sex advice question is communication or lube. Oh. Sometimes both. But it's always one or the other. It's communication or lube. Okay. We're going to change moods. 
What's been making you maddest or saddest about the sexual culture lately? There's like so much to fucking choose from. So I, I think two. Um, one, this double standards that women still have when it comes to sexual desires and pleasures and being able to be free and embrace the fact that we enjoy being intimate with, with ourselves and with other people. So that double standard, I think, is again, is still so prevalent and it frustrates me so much. And then I also am still frustrated by rape culture and the fact that we can't acknowledge the real trauma and sadness that comes along with being a survivor of sexual assault. It's almost like you still have to explain or justify your sadness and your emotions and your feelings and what it's done to you to have people understand the impact of it for you. Yeah. And I mean, we're going to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> and for me, if I can build on that, I don't usually answer the question, but I don't think people understand how much weight survivors are carrying mm -hmm. around watching some of the most powerful men in the country and the world just get away with sexual violence over and over again. Like it's just been on my mind a lot lately. It's like, it's so hard to bear, man. It really does feel like we have to just constantly justify anyone caring about it. Okay. What is making you all Madison saddest? Ongoing attacks against trans women, especially trans women of color. Yeah, mm. absolutely. I vacillate between mad and sad. That one makes me feel just really sad right now. What do we got? You got a lot to say about this one. Inclusive and accurate sex education not being accessible to all. I mean, I would even say being accessible to almost no one unless they're like really going out and looking for it. Yeah, absolutely. I also, as if you listen to the show, no, I can go on a rant about sex education if you want. Brett fucking Kavanaugh. I provided the swear word on that one. And Jeffrey Epstein and Harvey Weinstein. And a fixation on false accusations. Yep. There's a lot of rape culture in the news and like in the air right now. So I just want to say I see you. I'm with you. We're all struggling through it together. I'm glad you all came out tonight to be in community with us. All right. Take a deep breath. <sighs> What's the biggest sex myth that you once believed but don't believe anymore? That all black men are packing. It's just not true. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's not true. And I'll leave it there. And I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry because I'm not your mom. She has spoken her <laughs> truth. What do you all got? I actually love the answers to this question. Someday I'm going to make a, a clip show just of all of the answers to each of these questions. My favorite one on this one is that I interviewed Dr. Joycelyn Elders, who for folks who don't know who are maybe young, like was the Surgeon General of the United States and got fired for saying masturbation was a healthy form of safe sex. And she once believed, she was raised to believe that if you swallowed a watermelon seed, it would make you pregnant. I don't even know. I don't even. <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. I'm like, what? First of all, I love watermelon, okay? And I've been eating watermelon since I was, I don't even know how old. And I've swallowed watermelon seeds many a times. <laughs> many a times. So again, I don't even know what to say to that. I know. What? All right. Stripped of fruit. Here are some myths that you once believed but don't believe anymore. Let's get rid of them. I started masturbating too early. Yeah, there's no too early for that. In fact, like babies touch their genitals for pleasure. They feel yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> that you have to be prepared for good sex. Like you have mm. to study. Yeah, absolutely. As we talked about earlier, Let have fun, go. experiment, yeah. laugh if something ridiculous happens. Mm -hmm. Sex equals heterosex. Yeah, also fuck that noise. That there's a best slash ideal way to have sex. 
So there's definitely a theme emerging here, and that condoms will somehow protect you from all STDs. I mean, condoms will significantly reduce your risk, but there's no 100% safe sex. Yeah, for sure. That kinky shit equals white people shit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I did an episode earlier this year with a woman who wrote a whole book about women of color, people of color, I think, and kink. Mm. It's called The Color of Kink. That's what it's called. It's super interesting. Yeah. All right, last question. Let's, this is a time to name check someone brave who's doing something to unscrew the sexual culture. I would say one of my one of my homegirls, and I'm not going to say her name okay? because um, I didn't get her permission to say it <laughs> and yeah. answer this question, but she is living her best life. I mean, her best life. And I love it. And I think that for her, she's in med school. She's figuring life out and she's super free and liberated and enjoying herself. And I really, really appreciate that. And I admire that because... One, I think people might look at her and her ability to be sexually free and confident and not think she's in med school, right? And I'm like, so what do we even equate, like, what, you know, like how do we correlate that, right? Yeah. And respectability and like identify um, with professions. And so there's that and she's a woman of color. And I mean, again, I just, I love it. I love it. And she's, and she's open about it. She has conversations about it and I admire it. Amazing. Amazing. Which we do. I hope that you play this for her or at I least will. tell her that. I mean, I also tell her that all okay, the time. Good. I'm like, teach good. me your ways. <laughs> Amazing. So she knows that support. Excellent. All, all right. Let's see what else you got. Okay. Who are we shouting out? All your sex podcasters and horrible decisions spelled H-O-R. <laughs> Excellent. The black feminist that called out wildflower sex. Oh, my God. That's a whole other show. Google it. Youth advocating for accurate sex ed across the world. Yes, we get a lot of shouts out for youth activists. Jess Dugan, yes! My, I've known Jess Dugan since they were 16. Who's a photographer of mostly trans folks who's done an amazing photography series called To Survive on This Shore about elder trans folks. And is like exhibited in the most fancy galleries and they win all kinds of awards and uh, I just couldn't be prouder of Jess. That's amazing. Yes. Jess Dugan. All right. You all collectively survived the lightning round. Lightning round done. All right. We learned a lot together, I think. I feel sufficiently warmed up. (laughs) All right. So I want to start by giving folks a little audio. Can you set up this clip for us? Yes. So Jack is going to play a clip from a podcast project I worked on, sponsored by Future Media. They put a call out to individuals in the greater Boston community to share stories that are often untold through the lens of people of color. And so as a survivor of sexual assault, I wanted to share the voices of people of color who, you know, um, are survivors of this trauma and are oftentimes not given the opportunity to talk about it. Um, whether, you know, for me, I feel like Caribbean folk were taught that whatever happens in the family stays in the family or in our world stays in our worlds, and we can't reach out for support. So I created this podcast segment to highlight that in the particular clip you're going to listen to is the voice of a friend of mine who I thought was a supporter of survivors of sexual trauma post the Me Too movement based on a conversation he and I were engaged in only to find out he's actually not a supporter of individuals who are survivors of trauma post the Me Too movement and and has timelines associated with when he feels like it's valid for them to speak up or not. 
is the challenge that somebody speaks up 20 to 30 years later or is the challenge for you when you feel like there's a motive as far as why somebody is coming up because of Hollywood and really talking about the popular stories with regards to Me Too? Unfortunately, we live in a, a society where you can't take everybody for their word because, you know, I know your side, but I really will never know the truth. You know, so it's like it's hard for me to take you at your word 20 odd years later, especially for those I'm sorry, benefited for whatever happened from back then. And now that certain people have found their strength to come out and talk about the situation, you're jumping on the bandwagon also because you feel some type of way about something that happened, even though you was probably not even thinking about the situation. And again, I don't know what these people's thought process are. I'm just saying from outside of looking in, that's what it seems like to me. So we ended on that note with Kevin B. The Brand explaining why he's a non-supporter of the Me Too movement. While I can understand and hear his perspectives, as a survivor myself, I don't believe that there should be an appropriate timeline of when a person comes forward. The realities of being a survivor of sexual trauma is that it's traumatic and it's painful. And you might want to talk about it the minute it happened, the minute it took place, but it's not easy to do so. You might talk about it in five years. You might talk about it in three years. You might talk about it in three months. The timeline is up to the person who experienced such trauma because, again, your life is truly altered. And I understand the room for criticism. I understand where people can feel like, well, I'm not sure if the details would be clear because of the amount of time. But the realities are that something, in fact, took place. And rather than creating situations and platforms and stigmas that victimize a survivor of sexual assault, and trauma. We need to create platforms where we are allowing people to come forward, where we're saying, hey, I believe you. Hey, I hear you. Hey, I see you. Let's talk about it. Let's support you the way that you need it. So just to be clear, when you started that interview, you thought he was a supporter. Yes. So he and I had engaged in previous conversations where he was just like, no, it doesn't make sense. Like, you know, talking about it five years later, 10 years later, you know, decades later, whatever, does it doesn't it doesn't make sense to him. And he's like, why would people do that? If you if something really happened to you, you talk about it right away. Period. And at that point I shared my story with him in that I was unfortunately raped when I was tw- in my early twenties. And I was ashamed and I was embarrassed by the rape because I felt like rape culture, my family wouldn't have acknowledge that reality for me. Um, When I was an adolescent, I was molested by a family member and my family didn't believe me. And um, as a result of that, I struggled to love myself. I struggled to show up in spaces and I attempted to commit suicide many times. Because again, I felt like I was just sexualized and I was looked at based on the way my body developed at such a young age, et cetera. And so replaying, when I was raped, it was not only the trauma of being raped that was impacting me, it was also not being supported with um, being a survivor of adolescent molestation. And so I lived in silence about my rape story for five years. And so at that moment in that conversation, he and I were able to talk about it, and I shared a bit about my story and how I lived in silence for five years. And he was shocked because he had no idea. And so his reaction, he really felt for me, and he was hurt. And he's like, I can't believe that happened to you, and I can't believe you weren't able to be supported, and I can't believe you didn't feel like you could talk about it. And so, you know, hearing a previous perspective and, and watching that. And he believed you because right, he knew you and he trusted knew, he you. He knew me and trusted me. So then I was like, well, great. So I had this project coming up, and I was like, I'd love to interview you and have this conversation about your perspective prior to hearing mine and then how you've changed over to the other side. And through the conversation, I was like, no, you only believe Bernadine. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I have so many things I want to say simultaneously crashing in my head. One is I'm really glad that you survived both the suicide attempts and and also the sexual violence and that you are here and you, you certainly appear to be thriving thank so you. i just want to say that. that thank you thank you thank you and i believe you thank you how did you decide to put that in the episode that you put together which was mostly focused on survivor stories you could have been like oh this interview is useless this isn't what i was expecting it to be why did you decide to include that voice in your storytelling project? Because I don't believe his voice is the only voice that believes that, what he said. I think we do live in a world where people, more than less in the world of politics, feel like they have opinions to make judgment calls on the lives of survivors or those who have experienced that things that they have yet to experience themselves. As a man, as a man of color, and, and as a friend of mine, as somebody I knew closely, I needed to be able to share that voice and that perspective because it's not a false one, right? It's not, it's not an outlier perspective. No. And I think one of the things that's so powerful and interesting to me about the fact that you did include it is it does show that there are limits to us telling our own painful stories as social change, right? Which is kind of what I want to explore tonight, right? That it was powerful and transformative for him to hear your testimony about what you had lived through, and it was, I think, important to him, and it was probably important to you to be able to tell it. And at the same time, it also didn't transform him the whole way. Absolutely. And I think also as a survivor, hearing it too. So imagine going into an interview thinking like, oh my gosh, we're going to have this conversation. Oh this my person God. like changed sides. Like, this is great to document. And as the conversation kept going, I was like, not at all. Like, what? And I kept giving him opportunities. I was like, no, so what you're really saying is, he's like, no. And I'm like, okay, all right. So, like, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, help me help you. But this is really what he thinks, and this is really how he feels, right? And so I think the other end of that is as a survivor, in ways, well, I, I'll speak for myself, I thought, I grew up thinking that when you share your pains with those who love you, they will hear you, they will respect you, and they will do whatever it takes to support you. And it's not to say he doesn't love me and care for me, support me, and it's not to say that my family didn't, but there are still intricate details there and pain there that we don't always acknowledge. So as a survivor, I'm telling him my story, and I'm telling the world my story, yet people still have an opportunity to pass judgment. People still have an opportunity to cause more harm and implement more injuries onto me because his truths are his truths. There's nothing wrong with that. 
but I'm also listening to that as a person who truly experienced that pain and is still processing that and is managing through that world today. And he's still somebody that I cared about or care about. And so you're trying, like you're you're battling many things. Like where do I place this person? Where do I place this friendship? Where do I place this understanding of respect? Where do I place our understanding of compassion and empathy? Right? And how do you move forward after that? I mean, did it impact your friendship? That's an interesting question, too. And I, I think that's that's interesting because both of our schedules were busy before that segment and our schedules continue to be busy after that segment. But I will say that there was probably certainly a moment in time where now that our schedules are so busy, it's almost easier to just kind of like say you're busy. Right. Because, yes, we are. But people make time for what they want to make time for and the people they want to make time for. Right. So we'll leave it there. Got it. So I know that part of what you do at Know Your Truth, Speak Your Truth is literally teach people how to have difficult conversations. Certainly we're talking about one of the most difficult conversations. What advice do you have about how to get a guy like that? I mean, obviously if you had the magic answer, you'd have done it. I'm not asking you to like solve rape culture, <laughs> yeah. but like what's your best advice? You know, I hear a lot from people who are like, well, how do I talk to my friend or my parent or whoever who doesn't get it? Like, what is your best advice about how do we, if it's not just tell our sad stories, which I, you know, I think we'd all deserve to be witnessed, but we also have to understand both the risks and the limitations of telling our stories to people who aren't ready to receive them. So Absolutely. like, what's your advice to someone who's really trying to get somebody through to someone who's not there? I would say don't make that your priority, to be honest. I don't actually think, and, and, and I'll say that too with a couple of steps in mind or a couple of stages in development and growth and processing in mind. I think if you're in the very beginning stages of speaking on your story and talking about it and processing it and healing, the moment you feel like you're speaking to somebody who doesn't believe you and doesn't acknowledge your truth and is not validating or affirming that reality I would, I would personally engage a person to not continue to talk to that person because you're in such a fragile state, right? And you really do need to be in a space where people can empower you, people can love you, people can tell you it's not your fault, people can support you and walk you through that in a very real way because that trauma is so intense. And you don't always process. It's not, again, like you can be raped, you can be molested, sexually assaulted, all of that, right? And it's not... For me, I don't believe it's, it's a moment that you replay right away and you're like, okay, I need to get this. It's like, it's months later. The minute you sit and you accept and you recognize that this is your reality, that's when the pain hits, right? Where you're like, who am I? Is this all that I'm, is this all, like, this, is this the only element of my identity that is for me? Um, you know, can I trust people again? Can I trust my family again? Can I just watch a movie? Can I watch a commercial? Like, how can you just be present in your spaces? And I think if you're talking to people who don't, believe you and don't see you, right, and you, you get that, I would encourage you to then go to spaces where you can be supported. If Depending on where you are, if you're further on in, in the healing and the, in, in the processing, and I'd say being, you know, victim to survivor along the spectrum there, I would then say... If you feel like you are able to engage in that conversation, engage in that conversation, but recognize too, similarly to any debate I'd say what person has, right? The point is to not make the person change their mind, but it is to make them hear you and understand that whatever perspective they have, that is that perspective, but who you are as a living testimony and as a person who is sharing their story and is recognizing this is in fact important. Because I think if the agenda is to make the person change their mind, I would say sometimes you're in a, a predicament where you may not win. And that predicament may make you feel less than the individual you already are for reasons that aren't true, yeah. right? And for realities that just, again, 
aren't understood. And so build communities with people who are survivors too. And as you're engaging in these difficult dialogues, take the moment to understand where you are and your ability to engage in it. And always think about what are you going to do and how are you going to respond and what support systems are in place for you if the conversation goes well and if the conversation doesn't go well. And even before that, what does a conversation going well look like and what does a conversation not going well look like to you so that you can set yourself up to get the support that you need? Because the, the road to survival and the road to persisting through these traumas is not one that, that is resolved in an aha moment in one year, five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, right? It's, it, it's a roller coaster. And I honestly think that's true for the road for somebody like your friend to coming to a different understanding is also not usually like a snap aha moment either. Like we, we're all super resistant to change and like it's a process for everybody. So I, I'll confess that I was Instagram stalking you in preparation for this interview. Nice. Um, and uh, I love your Instagram. I also want to know you. who's your photographer. I will. Um, shot by Marvis one, and <laughs> and he's. I must play this for him too. I'll be like, I talked about you, because he's always like, nobody knows who I am, and I'm like, is that my fault or yours? I don't know. I mean, anyway, uh, <laughs> the photos on your Instagram are like a plus. <laughs> Thank you. But you've had this quote on there, which I think is really true, but also super challenging for me in this mm. particular conversation, mm -hmm. which is people almost never change without first feeling understood. Mm. And I think that's true. Like, I totally agree with you. Yeah. And then when I think about wanting enablers of rape culture to change, I, myself, as a survivor, find it really hard to do that work mm -hmm. of making them feel understood. And it mm -hmm. feels like that's part of what you were doing in this interview. You actually really were hearing him out. Mm -hmm. And there was something amazing about that that might have really been very powerful for him I don't know I'm not interviewing him I'm interviewing yeah. you because I don't want to do that work <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just, it but you recognize the work you want to do yeah right? and that's very but that's what I'm saying know yourself know where you are in that situation it's important do you think that applies in this case too? It's really hard to do in this case. Yeah, I think what you're asking is how can you demonstrate how can I or how can a survivor of such something so traumatic demonstrate a level of compassion is somebody who's causing us so much harm in ways. And right? maybe it like, should be somebody else who's Right, somebody else that? who's doing it. I mean, I I think I think somebody else should do it. <laughs> <laughs> because right like I, it wasn't like I knew this was the conversation right. and I'm like all right like let's let me teach you something would you I sign up like, for this what? conversation if you knew it was going to go this way um that's a great question and I honestly will never know yeah period because again he and I have conversations about so much so like it possibly could have been but then it also possibly could have been like I you're over there and I'm over here so I'm not even doing it because I do think that there are certain conversations where victims don't need to be the ones who are trying to help somebody catch up and I think that our priority needs to be to heal to process and to do better to live better right because the other part of that conversation too as as you ask and we're focusing on this individual I think about other individuals in my life where these conversations impact me differently and I and one person was the person I was intimate with um, and had dated for a point in time and I felt like he was so overwhelmed by my story that I felt like moments me sharing this should have brought us closer together and it brought us further apart yeah right and I learned through that that that's not somebody I'd want to build with yeah right because I need someone who understands that this is not the only element of my identity but this is an element of my identity yeah. one where 
I don't always know when it will show face. I don't always know when it will take precedence in how I operate. But I need you to be able to love me no matter what and not love me conditionally. Yeah. That is where we're going to leave it for this week. Again, next week, I'm going to bring you the second half of the live show, which is a conversation between me and Nancy Schwartzman, the filmmaker behind Roll, Red Roll, the Steubenville documentary, which is just phenomenal. And we also get into the Q&A, both with Nancy and with Bernadine. So there's a lot of really interesting discussion to be had in next week's show as well. I hope you enjoyed this first half of it. If you did, and if you enjoy Unscrewed in general, there are a number of ways to support the show. You can kick in a few bucks a month and join the Unscrewed Nation community on Patreon. Uh, I'm Jacqueline F on Patreon. You can just look at my name. Uh, it makes a huge difference to me to get to interact with you all there and also for you to be able to just pitch in a few dollars a month if you value this show it really makes a difference in my life or if that is not in the cards right now you could go to itunes or wherever you like to get your podcast and give us five stars give us a review it helps other people find the show or just give us a shout out on social media i see all all the time when people are like what's a good podcast i see you recommending unscrewed and it makes me happy every time that's how we find new audience it's all word of mouth you are my ambassadors so i love you for that also if you all are in the boston area tonight this is wednesday october 2nd tonight i am going to be interviewing live the amazing writer jennifer block who has written a book about why healthcare needs a feminist revolution it's called everything below the waist we'll be at, we'll be at harvard bookstore tonight uh, and I would love to see you there. If you love this show, you'll love that conversation too. Unscrewed is produced by yours truly, Jacqueline Friedman, and edited by the fantastic Natalia Rodriguez. Our in and out music is by The Pink Tiles, and our cover art is by Nicole Dodonna. And until next week, when I'll bring you the second half of this live show, I'm wishing you safe and happy sex lives. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.